Welcome to Veterans in Academics. This podcast highlights people and topics where the veteran experience and academia overlap. Join your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, in this groundbreaking content. Each week, we explore new stories, topics for you. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of Veterans and Academics. Today, we have a very special guest for you, Ms. Montaigne Long. She is the Assistant Director of the Texas A&M System of Veterans Services. Montaigne, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely. So, Montaigne, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? I've been in veteran services and the veteran space in higher education for the past 10 years. I started at the University of Southern California in 2010 when I was a graduate student. Honestly, I was using my own benefit. I kind of saw how the office operated. I was not quite impressed. So I kind of wanted to get involved and somehow with veterans. But honestly, about four weeks into my master's program in student development theory, we learned about veterans returning to higher education. Of course, 2010 was kind of right after that post-911 GI Bill was passed. Right. Veterans were becoming a hot topic. I just thought this is a population I could work with. As a military spouse, it made a good connection with me. So from literally probably from the very next day, I tried to get involved with veterans as much as possible. I started working as a graduate assistant, certifying benefits. And then after I graduated, I opened up the first veteran resource center at California State University, Northridge. After that, I moved to a community college up in the high desert of California and was their veteran program coordinator for a few years before relocating to Texas and joining the Texas A&M University system. So this was awesome. This was coming home for me as a graduate from A&M, so it's wonderful to be able to stay in the veteran space at the institution that I got my undergraduate degree from. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear that it, it came full circle for yeah. you. <laughs> so perfect. So perfect. You're alma mater and then obviously a position that you were just motivated from the get-go. Absolutely. Okay. So with this motivation and, and with you being involved early on as a graduate student, then it becoming, you know, morphing into a career for you mm-hmm. and you being in this career for a decade, I have to ask you our overarching questions that we ask everyone. What uh, do you see in the higher education sphere? What do you see that veterans are doing well? What are they excelling at? So I think that we see veterans do really well academically. Data shows us that their grade point averages are usually higher than their, their counterparts. Absolutely. Higher, higher persistence, retention, graduation rates. So we know they do really well academically. If our end goal in higher education is to develop somebody to go out into the world and make a change, I think veterans are also leading that charge as well. They're having high employment rates. They're becoming leaders in their field. We are producing amazing, amazing people to go back out into the workforce and serve their country. I couldn't agree more. Statistically, you see this all over the place. On average, higher GPA, excelling within an array of majors. I think a lot of people kind of stereotype veterans to, oh, they're going to go into a service field. Okay, well, that definitely happens, but they're everywhere. And, yeah. and excelling everywhere. Right. Doesn't Student Veterans of America tell us like the top majors for veterans are STEM, business, and healthcare? So, absolutely right. Challenging right. degree programs that they excel in. 
They're great model students. I think they're great for the traditional age students to have role models and peers in the classroom that see great leadership skills, see really dedication to their academic. What a great person to have on our college campus. Absolutely. And, you know, from the employer standpoint, too, it it seems like all those soft skills that you hear Mm -hmm. people talking about so much, you know, and, and some of those being something that generations past didn't take for granted, but, uh, you know, showing up to work on time, <laughs> being prepared for work, yeah. those things, those are also slices of the pie that uh, the ladies and men of the veteran population excel at on top of their studies. Definitely. The positive. Now, yep. what is something that uh, veterans in higher education could improve on? I see a couple things. So I still think even though we've come so far with our veteran support on our college campuses in the past 10 years, veteran transition is still an issue. The transition from military to academics is hard. It's challenging. Not only are they transitioning from military to civilian, but then from civilian to student, which is a whole other realm to learn. I think that we still have ways to go and more room that we can help veterans with their transition to college. So that falls on us to develop the right programs, the right resources, and the right support mechanisms to make sure that that transition is successful so that they do go on to be successful students. The other thing that I wish that I could improve, if I had a magic wand and I could improve veterans in some way, I'd want Uh them to be more engaged on the college campus. I'll tell you why. Veterans are busy. They are very focused on their coursework. But a lot of times they're working part-time or full-time jobs. They have families outside. And so they're not able to dedicate as much time to participating in programs and events and kind of having that full college undergraduate experience. So if I could get veterans more engaged and attending more, connecting with more veterans on the campus, that's what I would do. Surveying some veterans recently, we saw that they really don't always know who other veterans are on campus. Right. So I wish that they had that peer support network a little bit more and could achieve that through additional engagement with programs and resources. Absolutely. You know, and I'm going to speak now from my day job at St. Leo, and I experienced the same thing you experienced, you know, and it's it's like there's great programs there. There's quality things for veterans to participate in. However, because of job, mm-hmm. family, combination of both stuff like that uh it's very hard to to get them to participate uh in a in a meaningful way Mm -hmm. even if it's with like you said other veterans yeah exactly it's a it's a hard nut to crack right for us we've even seen it more with covid going into this we kind of sat down in our office we said what's our biggest challenge going to be this fall 2020 semester And immediately I said, I think it's going to be engagement. I think students are going to be less likely to be engaged when they have online or hybrid classes and they're not actually physically on campus. And that has proven to be true. So I'm sticking with that, that like engagement is something not only during the pandemic, but all the time I wish veterans would be engaged a little bit more. We have those superstars, of course, that are in our office and attending our events and they serve as peer leaders. But I think on the whole, if we can get veterans to, to participate a little bit more, I would love to see that just to give them a, a richer experience. Absolutely. And and like you said, to participate in all those things that might also translate to a resume or to LinkedIn events or something yeah. that would get them noticed in the workforce, you know, because there are those little leadership opportunities that come along with just participating, right. you right. know. 
And as someone with a student affairs background, I just really enjoy and see the value in being part of student organizations and being involved on your campus and in your community. And what great people to be leaders for other students, right, is to have student veterans that already have leadership experience. So just to even help them further develop those that set, that set of skills, I think, would be valuable. Awesome. So talk us through, uh, and, and I'm going to put average in quotes here, it, whether it's an average pre or post COVID day, <laughs> or if you want to highlight both, what's an average day like in your office? My position is unique that I work for the Texas A&M University system. So there are 11 campuses across the state of Texas, and I work with the veteran programs, each one of those campuses. Nice. There's a lot of communication, a lot of collaboration, um, a lot of ensuring best practices, data collection. We're looking at really kind of strategic big picture for our entire AM system. I have two graduate assistants that each have unique roles. So I'm working with them one-on-one to achieve part of our mission. This year, we're really diving into recruitment and enrollment management, and that is new territory for us. We already serve about a little over 4,000 student veterans across our system, about okay. 7,000 dependents. So we have large population of military affiliated students, Right. but we always see that there can be more. We could bring more veterans to our state and to our system. Texas falls like number two, um, as far as, you know, veterans that live in the state and veteran support, California still outranks us, but Texas hopes to overtake California in the next few years. <laughs> So we really believe that Texas A&M is a destination of choice for student veteran success. We've got ideal programs located from Amarillo down to South Texas. I mean, really spanning the state. So we're really trying to dive a little bit more into recruitment. So that's been something new for me. Outreach is always huge. So that is another component of my job. I manage a listserv of about 400 people from across the United States. So that's, again, distributing information on benefits and certification, best practices, policy and any changes that are affecting veterans right now. That's been part of our kind of view for the past few months is what's changing with the post on 11 GI Bill, what's been put in place due to COVID. So making sure that people are aware of those things. And we also host an annual symposium which has been the Texas Veterans Higher Education Symposium. This was our 12th year to host, but we're really moving to a regional model for that. So a great part of my year is devoted to really planning and hosting the entire symposium. I also have a little side job. So while I work for the a and system, I manage a program on the main campus in College Station called Meals for Vets. So we have partnered with a nonprofit organization in Texas called Meals for Vets, and they provide free meal plans to student veterans who are experiencing food insecurity. Oh, awesome. So so that's my one area where I still get to maintain contact with veterans on a daily basis, making sure that their needs are being met, just outreaching to them to make sure that they are getting the right food they need. So um, when I moved into this role, it's a little bit more administrative and it's more working with the veteran program managers and directors at the campuses. I've lost a little bit of contact with my student veterans, which is hard, but right. big picture is that we're working really hard to make sure that there's programs and policies and plans in place to make them successful um, and to make sure that they have a great time during their two to four years with our institutions. Managing Meals for Vets gives me an opportunity to sit down and still work one-on-one with veterans that are maybe experiencing some challenging times to make sure that we are making sure that they're successful. That's something that's overlooked though. You know, honestly, I I was just on a, a different podcast talking about this for this time of year. So often people hear veteran and hear GI Bill, Mm -hmm. and they assume that these guys and gals are walking on campus with everything paid for and enough money left over to be decked out in Gucci gear. 
Yeah. But in reality, uh, there's a lot of complexities. Issues come up, whether it be food insecurity or right. car problems or you know something else that kind of a life thing that interferes with someone getting their education. Exactly. Uh, it's more prevalent than people think. Right. I mean, our veterans are receiving about $1,300 a month with their basic allowance for housing. And it doesn't go a long way once you pay rent and utilities and food, you know. And so this program has really been ideally suited for our veterans who who maybe are single but are living solely on their BAH through their post-911 GI Bill. Um, this is just a way to provide them with a free meal plan where they can go get a nice hot meal on campus five days a week. That's awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like that does enable you uh, in your role to have first person contact, you mm-hmm. know, have those intercultural exchanges. But it also sounds like you're involved in programming and in the strategic kind of big stuff yes, as well. Exactly. So it sounds yep. like you're getting a, a little slice of everything. Right. And as you know, in higher education, I don't think one day to the next is very different. Um, there are new new challenges that arise every day. There's new things that we want to try and be innovative. And so um, it's always something different, which is what I've loved about higher education forever, that I never know what I'm really going to expect that day. Right. Never know who's going to walk in my door, (laughs) what request is going to come of us. And so it's always something new and different. And I love that that higher education can be pretty fast paced as well. But again, just knowing that we're making an impact for students is just so meaningful. That's beautiful. That's awesome. So, all right. That was a typical day. Tell us, tell us in your time in 10 years and at a few different institutions, uh, but finally coming back home, right? Uh, what has evolved and how's the landscape really changed in this past decade of veteran services and veterans coming back to campus? Right. So since 2010, I have seen the veteran services realm shift from merely providing VA education benefits to offering programs that really start before the veteran even comes to our institution through military admissions, programs that support them all throughout their time here, and then focusing on career and graduation. So when I started in 2010, we were lucky to have one full-time person, one whole full-time person, not just that it was a part-time job for them, other duties as assigned. But we were fortunate if there was one person that was running a veteran's office and all they did was certify benefits, making sure that students received their housing allowances, that they got their tuition and fees paid for, strictly benefits focused. Around 2010, 2011, 2012, as more veterans were coming back into higher education, I think institutions realized, wow, we've got a unique subset student population on this campus. At that time, it was very deficit-focused, and so they're coming back with post-traumatic stress. They have traumatic brain injuries. We need to help them. So programs and resources and veteran resource centers popped up, and so students were able to kind of have their holistic needs met, preferably in a one-stop shop is really what was touted as the best model, right? Right, Have one location where they can do their benefits, they can get mental health, they can do wellness, They can get connected with disability services if they need that. They can be connected with their peers. They have a lounge where they can hang out. There's a computer space. So we thought that that was the best way to go. I think as we've kind of moved through, we've shifted our focus from being so deficit-based to maybe looking at veterans a little bit more strengths-based. So I think the way we've viewed student veterans has changed for one thing. So of course, the way we've served student veterans has evolved as well. 
Now I think we're viewing veterans more as look at all the strengths that they bring to our campus as leaders, as high academic scholars, um, students that are engaging in research, students that are really well-developed, um, have great career skills and are going out and getting jobs. So I think our programming has shifted as well. Like here on the main campus in College Station, we serve veterans from the time that they show interest in applying to the university through military admissions. So we work on this model of application to vocation. So we serve them during their entire time that they could possibly be here with us. We get them into the university. We have programs that support them during their time here. And then we focus on that outcome with career readiness and employment skills, serving them not until the day they graduate, but until they get a job. So working with career services, I think, has become really important part of serving veterans to ensure that they are successful and they have post-graduation employment. Kind of to sum it up, I think we've gone from that maybe one full-time person that was doing benefits and really viewing veterans deficit focused to viewing student veterans as more bringing strengths with them to their campus and having maybe multiple offices, maybe advisory committees. We're no longer seeing that that one-stop shop model works for every campus. So some campuses have two veterans offices, one that does benefits, one that does resources and programming for them. I think we've formed many more alliances across campus as well so that we can meet veterans' needs if they do have mental health or counseling issues. We're connected with our counseling and psychological services. I think we've done so much more in the community as well, surrounding, you know, our institutions right? with so much more community involvement and support for veterans that way as well. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how sometimes at different campuses, there can be a disconnect between what's going on as the public might perceive as the ivory tower Mm -hmm. and then the campus to the surrounding community. However, when you put that layer of student veterans into the mix, it's really interesting on, it's kind of like the glue that binds the campus to the greater community. Right. Uh, There are interactions that would take place that wouldn't have taken place otherwise if veterans, particularly student veterans, are a part of kind of a go-between focus. You know, I still want to believe in the good of our country and that we are very patriotic and we do support our military. And so I'd like to think that our communities really want to help support student veterans in whatever way they can. Um, I also think it's important to have community relationships and partnerships because as much as we try, we can't do everything possible to fulfill veterans' needs in every way possible. Right. So, you know, we, we form partnerships and relationships with groups like Team Red, White, and Blue so that veterans can get social interaction. Uh, A lot of times it's focused around health and wellness. Getting connected with Wounded Warrior Project. Here in Texas, Travis Mannion Foundation is another huge one. So, you know, I think there's all these great community partners that we can be involved with that just provides an additional layer of support for our student veterans. Absolutely. It, It definitely helps our roles out as directors, for sure. But It's also like one of those things, people are already out there in the community doing great things. Why try to reinvent it? Yeah. Partner with them and it benefits you and your population. It benefits them and population they seek and truly is, I hate to sound cliche, but it is a win-win for everyone. It is, right? So during this time, you know, and during this evolution and, and change on campuses, going from one person, maybe a part-time position, all the way to teams of people, you know, in the Texas A&M system, what is the makeup of an office like 
you know, for Texas A&M particularly? Okay. What's like an average size? Right. We have everything from the flagship in College Station that has over 1,200 student veterans to one of our smaller campuses, Texas A&M University Galveston, that has about 50 veterans. So I think with each veteran population being unique and the size of them being unique, the services are reflective of that. On the main campus, we actually have two veteran support offices. We have one that's part of scholarships and financial aid that handles all the benefits and certification. So they're looking at the financial aspect of this. Um, We also have a veteran resource and support center that's part of the Division of Student Affairs that focuses on the resources and the programming and the events. We are very different from Texas A&M Commerce, you know, so um, on the main campus in our our Veteran Resource and Support Center, we also have external partnerships with the Department of Veterans Affairs. So we have a Vet Success on Campus representative who works with our um, vocational rehabilitation students. We also have a VITAL, which is Veteran Integration to Academic Leadership that really focuses on kind of healthcare aspects of the VA. Um, So we've got great partnerships like that. Some of our other campuses are still one-man operations, unfortunately. They're managing a really small veteran population, and they still just don't have the need to have more than one person. I think on average across the AM system and our 11 campuses, we probably average about two people per office. So a director and a program coordinator, um, they're doing benefits, they're doing resources and programming, they're handling it all still in that one-stop shop model. But then they're still getting support as a network and Absolutely. obviously from your office, right? Correct. So although that might function daily, just one to two people there. Uh-huh. That's an awesome model, especially if you only have 50 students. It's like, what do you do in some campuses? Exactly. Can't overstaff. Like you mentioned, each of the campuses does receive support from our office. There aren't a whole lot of system-wide veteran offices. In the state of Texas, we are the only university system that has a veteran service office at the system level. So we're able to provide more of that administrative support. Um, We do a lot of program testing and exporting of programs to campuses so that you know, these smaller campuses that have limited manpower are not having to reinvent the wheel. Like the Meals for Vets program, we got it down to an art and a science on the main campus, and then we're able to export that across the state to our other campuses. So we've got other ones coming on board that are doing the Meals for Vets program now. We're looking at doing more with transition and orientation. And so if we can develop some sort of online component to an orientation program that can also be customized to the school, we can export that to the 11 campuses. Right. Um, and it, it takes a little bit off of their plate so that they can focus more on the students and compliance and things that are really important. But we can provide some of that kind of underlying program that's easily transferable to those other veteran populations. So are there any projects, Fontaine, that you're working on currently, uh, whether work-related or outside of the, the larger scope? Or do you have anything in the near future that you would like to share with everyone? Sure. I'm also, in addition to my full-time job, I'm a part-time PhD student in higher education administration at Texas A&M. And so as I've moved through my program, research has become more important. And I realize that there is still not a whole lot of research on veterans out there for veterans in higher education. Um, So research has become a little bit more of my focus right now because it's our winter break. I'm starting to work on a research project with my director. So we're hoping to maybe get something published in the spring. Collaborating with other colleagues across the state that work in the veteran space on presenting at conferences. Um, I think it's just important that we are continuing to 
look into how we can become better at what we do and how we can better serve student veterans in higher education. So research is a key component of what I want to be doing more of. And I kind of mentioned earlier, like recruitment and enrollment management is something brand new for us. So I'm looking at how we form strategic partnerships and alliances with military installations, how we kind of make the pipeline between military service and higher education a little bit easier to maneuver. So looking more into how we bring more veterans into the state of Texas and hopefully to the Texas A&M University system. Outside of the um, university system, I chair a committee for an organization called Combined Arms. They're based out of Houston. They are really changing the way veteran services looks across the state of Texas. Okay, great. We have a partnership with them. So it's nice to be able to work with my colleagues from across the state that are also serving veterans to talk about professional development for us and how we can grow that. Again, what are some best practices that we need to be doing for every student veteran? How do we get veterans who are new to our communities and new to our institutions connected to the right resources, both on campus and off campus? That's a really great fun thing that I do in addition to my full-time job. So it's like you've got three full-time jobs. Kind of. All, <laughs> all wrapped into one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I live great. I live and breathe veterans basically. So <laughs> that's exactly part of the reason why you're on this show. And that's that's how you really get things done at a, at a quality level. And you know when you're serving people, people like yourself, I find across this veteran spectrum and not, you know, other jobs are kind of obligatory. But when you're vested, especially the way you are, it's one of those things you derive satisfaction from and you're doing it because you understand the level of service that these people need and require. So it's very noble. It's very noble. Well, thanks. And I feel like most of the people that work in the veteran space in higher education are really passionate about what they do. This is not a, a student population that you just happen to work with. I think that it's very purposeful whenever somebody goes to work in the veteran space. Either they're veterans themselves or their military spouses. They have some connection to the military population. They understand service and sacrifice. And so kind of our motto is serve well those who have served. We want to give back to our students after all of their service. I think across the board, you know, those of us that work in the veteran space, there's passion in it for us. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have been speaking with Montaigne Long today of the Texas A&M system. Uh, When this episode gets released, I'm going to uh, link some of Montaigne's contacts and her work so everyone can uh, be connected to the things that she's doing currently. And we'll send any updates that she passes along to us uh, for future work. As you can tell, she's got a lot that's going to, she's got a lot she's doing now, but a lot that's coming uh, in the future as well. So Montaigne, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that makes it for another edition of Veterans and Academics. We appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, take care. We thank all of you for listening. Veterans in Academics is an all-veteran production of Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank. Content creation is brought to you by Dr. Luke McCleese and Dr. Michael Bevers. Web development is by Osvaldo Vargas.